You have found the Back Country and Barbells podcast. Thanks, gang, for tuning in to today's show, which is brought to you by our partners at the Sendivet Foundation. Check those guys out, guys. Sendivet Foundation's mission is focused on sending our nation's combat injured warriors on various, various outdoor adventures throughout the United States and around the world. The volunteers, donors, and sponsors work diligently to provide the labor and secure the resources to ensure a safe and positive adventure experience. Guys, it's a great mission, helping great folks, and there's great folks involved with it, including myself and Jeremy Day. If you're interested in learning more about the Sendivet Foundation, head on over to their website, send-a-vet.org. Also, guys, PR lifting, quality fitness gear in the Pacific Northwest PR Lifting takes pride in personal passion for gear, excellent customer service, and most importantly, being the place in the Pacific Northwest neighborhood to get hooked up with what you need to achieve your next personal goal. In fact, me and my wife are considering um, suiting up for the um, the new Army PT standards. Uh, you know, we need a trap bar, uh, a vest, and, and all that gear. And uh, guess who has all that? The guys at PR Lifting. Check those guys out. Um, you only buy it once if you buy it from PR Lifting. Quality Fitness Gear in the Pacific Northwest. Check those guys out at prlifting.com. Also, guys, our website, Backcountry and Barbells. We would love to get your feedback. Uh, review the show. Uh, let us know what you think about uh, the base camp program. If you guys are, you know, your crunch time, getting into elk season, got a month to go, don't know how to train, maybe you have a kettlebell pull-up bar some basics um, we can set you guys up with what to do with that stuff check out the base camp program guys let us know um, what let us know what you think guys today's show um, the elk camp crunch guys it's crunch time you know uh, we all want to be in better shape than we are and there's nothing like a deadline or an event to get you fired up maybe you've waited too long maybe you've procrastinated maybe you have just enough time to uh, ramp up your fitness today, Jeremy and I discuss some lifestyle habits and training principles that you can apply today. Um, whether you have one week, three weeks, six weeks, um, some of the things that we talk about today will benefit your capacity um, so you can fill tags and uh, train, hunt, and live the best life possible, guys. Um, please, hopefully, you enjoy the show and take care. Howdy gang, back country and barbells, Joe Shamanic, Jeremy Day, another episode um, coming your way. Hey, there's a little little rhyming at the front there. I know, man. It's going to be like uh, Tupac here anytime soon now. Yeah, well, um, I don't know. It depends on the fame or, or what came after. I don't know. What, what, what would you go with, Jeremy? Uh, would, you rather, uh, would you rather burn out in a blaze of glory? Um, in, in that regard, kind of um, a la um, <laughs> the, the rapper you just referenced, or, or would you rather uh, live it low and slow? What do you think, buddy? Given the I'm choice. a low and slow guy. <laughs> okay, I hear you, man. I'm going to live it low, <laughs> slow, and just keep it real. Okay, okay, I hear you. Well, uh, uh, talking <laughs> on keeping it real, it's, um, you know, we've, we've hit August, um, which to me is always like the end of summer. You know, you have to really fast forward and start thinking about you know, going back to a regular work schedule and stuff and getting back into the school. Um, but man, this is this has been a, a pretty wild summer for us. We haven't done a lot, but we've done a lot, if that makes sense. Like no big trips, but man, we've really been um, hammering uh, the 
the Pacific Northwest and um, just getting a lot of little day trips and weekend stuff. And um, but you you um you just got back from a big Utah trip, man. Um, how'd that go? No, it went really good. It went really good. My company takes uh, me and my wife on a trip every year. It's called an incentive trip. So we take a lot of customers. So this year we chose Park City, Utah. So we went on, went to Sundance and the Olympic Village and did some golfing. And it's one of those real tough work events. Oh, yeah. Well, my first trip to Salt Lake or I think it was Salt Lake or Park, Park City. I'm not sure which. I have to look back. I'm pretty sure it was Salt Lake City, maybe. Um but it was for the uh, my first uh, USAW national championships that I competed in was out there and uh man I had a blast that, that was a nice spot um Utah um it's more than Moab dude there's some um there's some beautiful oh. there's some beautiful areas it's unbelievable how many beautiful areas there are I, I never even knew you know I always heard about Sundance and then we went there and this waterfall and the, the rock formations behind it I mean it was I mean, there's just nothing like it. It's supposed to be the driest state in the United States. Oh, Utah? Or, or, yeah, they, it's either the driest or the second driest. It's between them and Nevada. Wow. Well, I, didn't, I know. I didn't know that. Uh, you got- and it rained um, when I was there because this year, I, have, I swear, I was just telling Michelle this morning, my wife, everywhere I've gone this year, the weather has followed me. <laughs> in the winter time, I went to like four states and it snowed. In two of the states, it usually doesn't snow. Right after our big snowstorm nice. here, and then it's always rains everywhere I go. So nice. I'm bringing the awesome weather of the Pacific Northwest <laughs> yeah. to all others. I'm just sharing. That's well, all. Well, you know, I, people say that, but I love the weather here in the Pacific Northwest, and um, it's really not. I don't think it's that rainy. Like it, yeah, you can get misty, but it's not like. Um, it's not like torrential rain that keeps you in. Like if if you just if you just toughen up, you can bear it, right? And you can do a lot. I I found that you can do a lot more. I believe, having lived here for a few years, that you'll be hard pressed to find another area where you can actually spend more days outside than where we live here in Washington in the Pacific Northwest, as opposed to you know spots like the Southeast where you know there there's days where the the humidity and the heat and, and, and heat combined to, to keep old people and kids indoors. You know what I mean? And right. And then, so, um, I, I don't think the weather's that bad, um, here, but, uh, uh it's not, you know, it's, we're, we're right there at the national average, especially in yeah. the gig Harbor Tacoma, you know, JBLM kind of, kind of where you guys are. <clears throat> we're like at 36 inches a year. I think that's the af- national average, but what it is, it's the the gray. cloud cover, right? That it's does that, get that does that does lean on you a bit, <laughs> and I think that's mainly what it is. And and sometimes yeah. the rain, I mean, it, it could rain all day long, and we only accumulate a half an inch, so yeah. it's just barely drizzling. That's right. And I think that's what gets most people. I, it doesn't bother me as much. It's just not seeing the sun. That's where I get start to freak out. It does. Well, here, I'll give you a recommendation. Uh, get your vitamin D in. There you go, and and yeah, you know, and you know, do like the locals do. Get you a nice cup of coffee. You'll be all right. You know, <laughs> from Starbucks. Yeah, well, you have to, right? So I guess it's a, a status thing. Um, we instead of buying the Starbucks all the time, we actually, um, we bought a uh, we we bought an espresso machine. So uh, this summer, one of my goals was uh, learning how to steam milk and you know do the. Uh, I I really wanted to learn how to do the um the latte heart 
but I can't do it. It's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it though. It, it, you know, you practice, 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 but uh, c- a couple other things about Utah while we're still on it, uh, just to get back to where you were, Jeremy, you had me look up some fun facts cause uh, it is a beautiful state. I remember the first time I actually, we drove through it. Um, we drove through Moab and then we drove around Bear Lake and did a bunch of things. And it's cool how, you know, you can be in that really dry area, but there are some really lush and, and pretty spots. But uh, I guess uh, Utah's named after the, a Native American tribe, uh, the Utes, uh, people of the mountains. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah. The Great Salt Lake is the largest lake west of the Mississippi. Pretty cool. Um, Winter Olympics in 2002. And uh, the mountains near Salt Lake City average uh, 500, 500 inches of snow snowfall per year. Excuse me as I fumble over my words. But uh, pretty cool state. Um, and I guess... Um, what's super interesting is, uh, there's, there's also big old elk in, uh, in Utah, aren't there? Oh yeah, there is some <laughs> giant ones. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like that's and there's a, a lot of elk too, from what I heard, it's a, it, it, it's like throughout the whole state. It seems like one of those destination spots for folks who want to do like, um, you know, if, if they want to do like an out of state hunt, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot of guys, it seems like guys who, who escape Washington, um, to go, to go to go somewhere else, or either going to go to Montana or or um, Oregon or Idaho, based on proximity. But it seems like it seems to me, um, just following things from from a distance, that, that Utah seems to be a spot that lots of folks are escaping to. It seems uh, didn't hasn't like the Mountain Ops Group set up base. Um, Brian Call has set up base out there. Um, it seems like it's a spot where where guys guys are heading to are they getting are they running towards the elk or are they getting away from people i mean what's going on there you know i'm not sure i, I know that some of those guys were i think born and raised there in utah okay cool and so that and so they found home base there i mean there's a lot of hunting organizations in that in the salt lake greater area i mean it's crazy how many um manufacturers are out over there yeah it seems like between it seems like between um like that Salt Lake and Park City area versus, uh, you know, Bozeman. It seems like that's where some of these guys who, um, you, I guess you might call, um, hunting social media or whatnot are, are, are retreating to, which are, which are, um, pretty neat areas. But, um, the, the topic we want to get into today, gang, is, as we get off the, um, as we get on the beaten path, I guess, is uh, we, we want to cover uh, elk, elk, taxic, elk tactics, and maybe um, what you need to do to, you know, it's last minute, right? I think it's funny. It's funny how things like that are on the calendar, like unexpectedly arrive on time, right? I mean, <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, right. I mean, there it is. You know, it's, it's like, yeah, you're, you're staring right at it and you go, okay, next week I got to do this. And then it the next week comes and you're like, Damn, how did it get here so quick? Yeah, but and elk season's one of those, right? You can look around and all of a sudden, oh man! And you know, this is maybe it's the year you've you've committed to it, and you're going to do your first one, or or for whatever reason, it just kind of snuck up on you, and you have to do that kind of elk camp crunch, right? But um, that, it's not just hunting season. I mean, this happens all the time. I mean, I think we're so busy and so distracted anymore that you know. You know, even us, as we talked about the 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 direction we want to take the podcast, it's it's easy to get distracted in things, right? So, um, absolutely. With, with the thought here in this kind of podcast here and, and today is to give you some last minute um, tips and tricks and tactics to um, 
to accelerate maybe getting in a slightly better shape than you are now for elk camp and then giving you some um, simple tactics that you can use um, out in the elk woods so you can be successful and enjoy that camp. So um, where do you want to start this off, Jeremy? You want to start this off with um, uh, we gotta we got to get fitty or um, we need to have some tactics for the woods. Where would you like to begin this conversation? You know, I think we need to focus a majority of the time on getting fit because some states are opening up in – one week some are in two weeks and then we are in four weeks so i think that i mean there's a lot that can go on the fitness side of the topic yeah and i think um yeah i think that there's some things you can focus on um in terms of you know in in a month's time and let's say you're in the best case scenario where we are in washington where you have about a yeah a month we open up well when this releases it'll be just under a month but um you know, we open on September 7th. So, yeah, you have a good bit of time. Who opens earliest? Um, I think it's Utah opens up on the 17th. Oh, of August? Yeah, and then Oregon in Idaho or the 24th and possibly Wyoming. Nice. Wyoming. In Colorado and all those. A lot of them open that week before or the last week of August. Well, it seems like then Utah and some of now do, do, do some of these critters begin to rut earlier or is the rut still in that fall time? Because I imagine, you know, here in Washington, it gets a lot of, um, you know, folks can uh, talk a little mess about hunting here, but I think at least from an archery standpoint, it, it seems like we're, we're positioned right at the beginning of the rut, but it seems like muzzleloader is, is, is the way to go. I mean, I'd imagine there's getting the critters before the rut. Um, is there an advantage or disadvantage to that? Well, no, I think, um, it's more of a spot and stock game. So you're going to be, it's more advantageous to be in country that's open, um, about around the, you know, the 24th, 31st, they're starting to communicate a little bit to see who's out there, right? They're going to do a lot of one bugles just to say, hey, I'm over here, and then, uh, you know, locate bugles here, I'm over here, and then then you can identify where they're at, and then you kind of just got to get in a stop, spot and stock method. And then around the 31st of August on the coast range, they'll start, you know, you can start calling in some bulls. They kind of go through that pre-rut process. and And then, yeah, it's... That the peak, in my opinion, in the three states that I've hunted, I've always thought that the peak of the rut was at the end of September, and we were hunting kind of the pre-rut. Sure. So they're kind of um, figuring things out. The herd bulls are going in where the cows are, and they're kind of letting the satellites push the cows around and have fun with them and exert all the energy. And then when the first cow goes into estrus, he's booting that satellite out and then taking over. Establishing so that's usually, dominance. Yep. Cool. But it's interesting when you watch these elk, you know, the the herd bulls, they definitely allow the satellites to, you know, bump them around and push them and do all that stuff. And he just gallops right behind the whole herd like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and the other guy's just running downhill, uphill, you know, and he's he's working those cows and trying to show them that he's he's the boss. And then, yeah, like I said, once that first cow goes into heat or estrus, the big bulls like, get out of here. This I'm taking over. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's, I guess it's kind of like um, it's kind of like playing with your kids, right? You'll roughhouse a bit, and, and you'll you'll be messing with them, and then um, when your boy kind of tags you on the chin in a weird way, 
Okay. <laughs> you know, or you slap mama's butt in a weird way, right? You got uh you got you got to lean on in there, right? So Yeah, exactly. And it's just t- teaching the next generation, right? It's kind of a coaching, mentoring, letting them figure it out so that when you're gone, the next generation comes in and takes over on that survival side. I love it. Cool. Well, with, with that in mind, it would seem like whether you're spotting and stalking, um, whether you're going to be dipping in and out of like deep trenches, uh, um, like like we're going to be doing on on coastal, um, or excuse me, more more kind of um, you know thicker brush and, and less visibility. I mean, it's a different game, but um, if it, it seems to me like a characteristic um, that is important is you're going to be covering just tough ground, whether you're, whether you're in a, a Western, a traditional Western situation, um, where, where you're trying to get a big tall vantage point and glass them up and then go get them or, or like we're going to be doing, um, getting into some thick timber and, and little, it'll be a little bit more close quarters. I mean, you still need the ability to get up and down. Um, so I think, you can't just get off the couch and and go elk hunting. It's not like you're going to be sitting in a um, a stand all day and, and and hoping they walk by or or you know um, ambushing them. But you're going to be on the move. So um, you know, fitness is a priority from from that aspect. And also, um, you know, you're wearing a pack. You're 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 going to be carrying a load, especially if you get one on the ground. I mean, that's where the real work begins. So fitness. Um, improving it needs to be prioritized. Uh, Jeremy, have you know you've been in this and a long time. Um, your name, your little nickname in camp, uh, Billy Goat, um, and it's because you're, you're you you challenge the mountain, right? Uh, you get after it. Um, from a standpoint of someone who's not a fitness professional or someone who hasn't spent a lot of time coaching fitness, has there been any like? Um, uh, simple things that you kind of have done intuitively, not from a training aspect, but something that just kind of that you've always done. Um, that's something anyone can do that would improve their ability uh, to cover ground in elk season. You know, <clears throat> the most basic thing is is just uh, um, I've always been kind of out there and just walked, mm-hmm. even if it's thirty minutes, even if it's for an hour. But I get on my feet um, and just kind of get that, uh, what is it called when you align your spine and you align your whole body and kind of work on your core? I mean, if you're sitting on a desk all day, which I sit on a desk and playing a lot, um, I'm kind of in a Z formation, I guess. Yeah, you're just sitting. It's crap posture. (laughs) Yeah, it's crap posture. And you develop worse and worse posture if you're not focusing on your core and straightening your back and aligning everything. So when I'm on the plane, I try to, or sitting down, I always try to have a straight back, good posture. And then when I can, I'll um, say I'm at the airport and I'm waiting for my plane. I just walk until it's time to get on the plane. I stay on my feet as long as I can, even though I want to sit down because I would just want to be lazy and, and it just, it's, I mean, hell, it feels good to sit down and do nothing, right? But I'll just walk back and forth or I'll park as far as away from the front of the grocery store as I can and then walk in. But, you know, I just try to get those steps in and stay on my feet as long as I can. And that's what I've always done. And then just in the last three or four years, I've really kind of stepped my game up on the training. And then since I've met you, I've really stepped up on my training on as as far as being more diversified, right? Before I would kind of 
have my same routine exercise programs that I've done since 1922. <laughs> 1922. <laughs> but uh, it was a good number. <laughs> yeah, I, I love I love that you bring up the lifestyle aspect of it, which is important. Um, and and just getting general movement in right, uh, and and the idea of posturing up um, is is ridiculous. It's just, it's something that. You know, for whether it's a sedentary job or it's you have a device in your hand, there's lots of things that are it just pull your posture forward and get you um, out of alignment. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you talked about a couple terms. Um, I think when you talk about joint um, joint awareness, I think anybody could just if you if you thought of your joints as like um, as dominoes and you're stacking them up, you know, the first domino is your ankle. The second domino can be your knee. The next domino is your hip. You know, then maybe you stack one up, um, long ways and that's your spine. And then on top of that is your shoulders and neck. Um, you know, in a general sense, the more time you can spend with more of those joints lined up, um, the better and stacked up in a nice straight line. I mean, that's how you want to be. Um, but, but, you know, through sitting and, and handling the device all the time, we're, we're just pulled forward and, um, it, it can, it can really be a no bueno and lead to, lead to, um, some awful dysfunction. And, and in particular, if, if you have poor posture and you're sitting down all the time and then, you know, then you want to spend, you know, nine days in the elk woods, you know, wearing a, wearing a pack that at its lightest is going to be around 20, 30 pounds. Um, uh, you're, no wonder you're going to have some some low back pain. So uh, um, I love that. Well, and the other thing on, on that too, and sorry to interrupt you, Joe, but it's a good segue to come in, is that if you can minimize, you know, if you sit with your back and you kind of work on your core a little bit and you're not doing much, then when you get in the woods and, you're, and you haven't been wearing your pack, then most of your uncomfortable, I don't know, most of your uncomfort is now going to be on your shoulders versus the back. But if you don't do anything and you're just sitting all around, you're going to get smoked a little quicker because you're going to have lower back issues. You're yeah. going to have abdominal issues. You're going to have shoulder issues. You're going to be hunching over. You're going to get smoked way quicker. But if you work on these minute things, then you're just going to have your shoulders are going to be a little uncomfortable, which is a little easier to get through, right? The 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 more uncomfortable things you can get put onto the side, the better off you are, I think. And, well, there's a concept in, in there's a concept in training. It, you know, you want to work core to extremity, right? So, you know, if as soon as something in the mid, you know, in the middle around your hips and your trunk goes, you know, generally hips and low back, as soon as those things start to falter, you're in trouble because everything's going to fall apart there too. Um, so, and, and that's going to that's going to definitely come into play with a with a heavy pack and working around. So so maybe if maybe the other thing there is that you can, you can combine maybe um, general fitness and maybe some specificity with elk camp by just wearing your pack more. You know what I mean? If if you can think about taking your your Sunday walk with the family, or if you have a routine where you're on your feet, or you know maybe if if you want to get crazy and you're someone who works at home, you know just wear the pack around more and just acclimate to your gear. Um, that, that might be, that might be a really cool way to kind of combine training and lifestyle. And I think you'd get a lot of bang for your buck. I agree. I mean, that's what Michelle and I, I haven't been able to get out on my four and six mile hikes with my pack much, sure. but every night Michelle and I go on a walk our driveway and, um, we'll put on, you know, one or two miles, but I always throw the 40 pounds on there. Yeah. I mean, 
it's something, right? I mean, yes. I only do it for 20 minutes or whatever, but at least when I get into the woods, I'm not going to be starting from scratch. And that's what you don't want to do, um, in my opinion. Yes. No, and that's it. You, it all adds up, and, and that's the thing. And I think, by, I think by standing more and operating with good posture and throwing the pack on when you can um, – you know, what you're doing, or like you mentioned, parking far away from the car, taking the steps, you know, um, I think what people need to do lifestyle wise, um, before they can even consider, um, some kind of elite training tactic is to do whatever you can in defiance of convenience. Um, convenience I think is the enemy, um, to, to fitness, uh, we're just not as active as we need to be as a species. I mean, a lot of activities that, um, you know, that we were doing hunter, hunter, hunting and gathering, we're just not doing anymore. We're just sedentary more. So the more you can, I think, um, work in defiance of convenience, um, the more you can battle convenience, uh, the more you can raise your minimum level of fitness, right? Rather than your minimums be something like sitting on the couch, if your minimum is, closer to you know taking a walk with the wife wearing a 40 pound pack that's going to mimic what's going to happen in elk camp and, and set you up for success well yeah exactly and and, and you're going to enjoy life much more too right we've we talked about this in the earlier podcasts that <clears throat> just getting up and getting moving and getting around you're going to have more energy to hang out to play with the kids to yeah. um play with the wife i mean you're going to have a lot more energy to do stuff throughout the year and that's the key i mean find something like for me hunting is my reason for fitness right if that's my goal so i'm gonna do like you've always you know talked about in this it's i'm gonna train throughout the whole year yeah get a little something and the goal is is because it's for hunting season and as hunting season gets closer i ramp up my my um workouts and the intensity and the impact and all that other stuff and then after the season is then I can I go back to those basics that's it no and 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 it and it all starts with lifestyle i mean lifestyle is going to be the platform from which your fitness is built and i mean the fact is your body you can you can say it till your face turns blue but your body's just going to adapt to what you do most you know and and if you just three times a week at 30 minutes of hard training in it you're going to be hard pressed to see those adaptations really take hold in your life however if those 30 minutes of hard training are um are stacked on you know great lifestyle habits you know like good nutrition good sleep relatively active when you can be then then you're going to be good to go um but as we do get closer to elk camp you know i think you can you can then begin to adapt your lifestyle to fit what's going to happen in elk camp. And the sooner you can do this, um, the better, you know, a month to three weeks out to even six weeks would be optimal. But, you know, even one week out, the sooner you can start living your life on, on elk camp time, I think the better. So on top of whatever you're doing in your regular lifestyle, you know, as soon as you can, you need to adapt your lifestyle to what's going to go on an elk camp. And that's not to say you got to, get a shovel and use the bathroom outside and, and, and do weird stuff like that. But you know, you don't have to wear camo every day and, and, and start painting your face, but you know, you should be sooner rather than later. Um, you know, waking up 
waking up on elk time when you're going to be waking up in the woods and, and begin to tinker with the fueling um, that you're going to use in camp because then you'll just be more acclimated to what that day's going to look like and there'll be no surprise whatever. You know, I, I've seen it in weightlifting competitions where, you know, folks do something new or they'll 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 take some supplement that you know the day before or you know what ends up happening I'm I'm sure like at weightlifting camps or weightlifting meets they'll be like um vendors, right? And they'll hand out like uh samples yeah. of their stuff. Well some idiot who's spent six months training for this competition all of a sudden takes a sample of some weird supplement and one they could it might it just might not mix well with them and all of a sudden you know when they're in the warm-up area um things aren't going well because they're getting you know um some weird things going along in their stomach or or something just doesn't mix right so the sooner you can do those small things like eat what you're gonna eat in camp and also um wake up and and start to live on those hours i also think there's some benefit to, to that as well no i agree and you know, how many of us have gone out there and we did something that we have never really done and we're not exercised up and we're sore for like two or three days. And then once you're sore, you're just smoked, right? It's hard That's to right. kind of get that lactic acid pushed through and everything. So even if you have one week left and maybe you're a bigger fella and you're like, man, I just don't want to walk, get out there and walk two or three days, get that portion of it out of the way, hydrate, right? Yeah. Get a lot of water in your system if you're and um get that soreness out and then you'll still have a little better experience when you're out in the woods. Yeah. And, 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 and two, um, so I, I think it starts with lifestyle first, if you're in a time crunch and then two, why well, I like those lifestyle tap tactics. Um, they're also going to be, they're also going to, they're not going to, you're not going to get hurt, right? You, you can make a bunch of lifestyle adaptations that are going to fit elk camp that aren't going to hurt you. The, right. the the downside is, you know, I've I've also seen it where folks want to push the training too hard, too late, and then ultimately that leads to some sort of an injury, which is no good. Whether whether you pull your hamstrings pushing a sled, um, you blow out a shoulder um, trying to max out a bench press, or you blow out your back trying to smash a deadlift because you think you want to get stronger. Um, you want to get stronger before you go into elk camp and you want to hit that PR going into elk camp to prove to yourself that you are stronger. I think, I think that overreaching, um, can really, can really be detrimental. And, and just like you said, where you'll get sore in camp hitting the mountain because you haven't walked all year, you can also get overly sore going into camp if, if you're pushing it too hard. So, right. So as we start to segue into training options, I, I would also want to make that consideration the, the closer you are to your event, um, you know, the work's in, whether that's a lot of work that you've done all year or that's no work at all, you're going to be hard pressed to, to make, um, to make a real great adaptation or that's going to be helpful. So, um, keep that in mind as well. And whatever training you do start to target, um, you want to prioritize safety because, you know, even from our standpoint, we're doing a local hunt, but, you know, and we're hunting land that's publicly accessible, but, you know, we're making an investment going into these woods and, and along with the time. I mean, the last thing you want to do is have some sort of accident, you know, the week before camp that limits your performance as well. Right. And and you have most guys hunt with a group of guys. So yeah, people... if there's three of you, or maybe there's four of you and you get an animal or one of them gets in the what in the back country and you say I can't do it man I'm 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 smoked and sometimes that happens and that's okay but 
you want to try to be as prepared as you can so that you minimize that uncomfortable conversation of, Hey, I guys, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm, I'm done. My hunt's over. Yeah. So you kind of owe it to your hunting partners too, to kind of get in the best shape as you can leading up to that, um, that season. And you know, the other thing is on the psychological side of everything that doesn't get talked about is a lot of us are ex athletes. Sure. And, and I know for me, I mean, I got injured, um, gosh, was it eight weeks ago skateboarding? I hadn't skateboarded in a while, but I started carving around that park and I'm like, holy smokes. Um, my mind is telling me go for the Mick twist and my body is saying, <laughs> hell no, no, pull back. No, no. Yeah, you got and, that. You know, and I went up on the ramp and, um, I did a trick and I ate it and, you know, blew out my knee basically for three, four weeks. So our mind, we kind of think of where we used to be. Yeah. And then as we get older, we still think we're there, but our physical well, that's portion like, of it aren't. So you got to be smart about doing it too. So you don't, like you're saying, you don't want to overtrain. You don't want to think, oh gosh, I got to run four miles. You put that goal in there and then you go run four miles. Yeah. I mean, I used to play softball and it's amazing how many injuries happen the first day because we all think we can run that four five forty around the... Yeah, no one warms um, up and then they hit a fly ball and you're going to sprint to it, right? Or yep. no one warms up and then you're going to... You're gonna hit full speed. You're gonna hit the go-go button um, when you, you 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 put one into you know into the third baseman's mid. I mean, it happens. It's like that. It's like that Toby Keith song. You know, uh, you know, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was, right? And and <laughs> yeah. I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, if if you compound really good lifestyle habits and then training smartly, not just hard, in, in a in a crunch, um, you can be, you can get that once. You can give your chance to have that one moment in the elk woods. You don't want to have that one moment right before the elk woods and then lead to a goofy old injury. You want to set the stage where where you you can perform. And I think with I think with compounding lifestyle factors um, to optimize performance um, by just being generally active, eating right, and trying to dial in your sleep, you'll be okay. But I think if you're in that three to a one month window, you can also optimize, um, your training in a smart fashion, um, just so, so you can be awesome. And I think where I'd start that journey, um, probably in a spot where, um, maybe folks would be surprised about is, um, I would focus more on range of motion and flexibility. If if you really legitimately only have three weeks of training, I think you're going to be hard pressed to one. It's going to be really hard to build strength. It's just it's yeah. just you you're really behind that now. I mean, if if strength's your game, maybe six weeks would be about the way I'd do it, especially if you're deconditioned. But um, where where you can do some things and not hurt yourself and also increase capacities is um is is by increasing range of motion and, and increasing mobility and in particular I would I would focus my attention on most folks um at really looking at the ankle. Um for one, um they're connected to the ground. There's lots of cool research that shows that um you know there's specific there's specific uh, dorsiflexion requirements in terms of um, what angle you should achieve at the ankle that's optimal for athletic performance. And the fact is, if you're limited at the ankle um, and you have weak feet, um, as you know, Jeremy, even if your feet get uncomfortable for, for not breaking your boots in, it can really limit your 
you can really limit your ability to to tackle the tackle the terrain. Absolutely. I mean, you saw me at turkey hunt yeah. or at turkey camp when my I um, got that flat tire on my heel. Yep. I was oh man, I was in pain, and then after that that week that we did that, I was my heel didn't hurt as that much after that. It was other parts of my body, my lower back, my other leg was hurting because I had to overcompensate for that injury. And I mean, and if people look at it this way is a mountain is a slope. And when you walk, your ankle is the thing that's absorbing that, um, that, that slope, right? Your body's staying vertical, but your ankle is the one that's tilting, moving. And it's, and what do you say? That's the, probably the most, um, that's the biggest injury is ankle injuries in, injuries in the whole fitness world, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think they're they're pretty common anywhere. I mean, if you look at if you do a quick search and you look at most kind of like polling data from athletes and even just look around it when kids get hemmed up at you know rec soccer, you know what I mean? I mean, ankle injuries or lower extremity injuries are are where people um, get get screwed up and you know a moment ago we talked about how things can work core to extremity but you know things also work upstream downstream and um i've always been a fan of like this idea of working from ground up as well and um you know if you have good ankle range of motion um you you have a you have a nice displacement um, of of energy and as you, and it, everything works up and down. So if you uh, dorsiflexion is what your ankles do, and that's that idea of like um, imagine you're just uh, you're you're pushing the accelerator down on your gas pedal. I mean that's dorsiflexion at the ankle. Um, optimally, you should be able to. And we talked about this on a past show. You should be able to be two hands widths away from a wall and keep your foot flat and drive your knee into that wall. If you can't do that. Um, all of a sudden your body has to do other things to compensate balance wise. And that's where you can now all of a sudden get this kind of more horizontal, horizontal um, displacement of energy around your center of mass, not a vertical displacement. And you can imagine if you have, let's say a hind quarter on your pack and all of a sudden you start getting things moving sideways or horizontally, you're going to have a hard time compensating for that and and a lot of that starts um at the ankle and being able to to not only have them be strong enough but mobile enough to handle slopes um to handle loose gravel um and to handle big loads and um and there's some things you can do to to make your ankle stronger there's some things you can do to make your ankles more mobile and i think if you put your fitness eggs in that basket um not only um, will you see improvement right at the ankle, but that's some low hanging fruit that's going to positively impact, um, all other aspects of, of your posture and performance. Yeah, I agree. And, um, it, it takes a while to get that flexibility too, right? Sure. You don't, you, it's just not overnight. I mean, it's kind of baby steps. So the more you can get in and and get it going now, the better off you are going to be in the woods, kind of like what we're talking about. Yeah, well, first assess it, right? Like we said, do, yeah. that, do that simple test, but then you got to start going to work. And there's some things you can do. I mean, it, 
if you can get on a beach and just start walking around barefoot in soft sand, I think that's going to be your best bet because it's going to strengthen your feet. It's going to it's going to be some work, and especially if maybe you can, you know, start loading your pack and do that. That that's probably going to be the gold mine where you're going to get mobility training and put everything together. But you know, there are a couple things you can do. I mean, you know, let here's a let's say you. St- Take the take the cushions off your couch and throw them on the ground while you're watching TV. And instead of watching TV on your ass, you know, kneel um, in front of the tube and um, put your, um, you know, close your eyes a couple times during commercial breaks. You know, that's gonna that's gonna force you to balance. It's gonna push you in that lunging position, and then you can also drive forward and, and get a good stretch there. Um, you know that's a that's a funny thing you can do um that that stretch we talked about and maybe I'll throw the link into the show notes of you know you can um get into that kneeling position again and hook a rubber band up to uh, I I use a bunch of these super bands you can put them onto your squat rack or you can put them onto anything fixed and just start getting some um anterior pressure to the front of your ankle to break up some of that scar tissue. And then the other thing is, you know, even just sitting on your butt, you can grab a towel and, and start to stretch your calves out, right? That That's going to give you some ankle stuff. But, you know, anything you can do, there, there's a ton of stuff um, range of motion wise, but, you know, yeah, it takes a long time, but, but you can get it, but you have to start. You have to start, right? And once you start doing it and keep up with it, then it just makes it easier. It's not work anymore, right? At first, yeah. you might cramp up or you might do this. I know when I first started using the exercise ball for my seat for my desk, I mean, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to get into a regular seat. But then yeah. now, I just I use it. My posture is pretty decent, and um, it's second nature now. Sure. No, it's, it took time. Yeah, it's second nature, but it's it's one of those things. If you're sitting at a desk all day long, sitting in a chair is about the worst thing you can do because you can create bad habits in your posture. But when you get a ball and you have to balance and keep that back aligned and straight, it's um, it's good for you. No, it's That's better. What it is. It's yeah, it's 100 better for you. And then, too, if you're working your ankles and you're focusing on good posture in your lifestyle, I think. The, the one place that I would recommend folks do some targeted training and to some maybe efforts that would kind of focus on um, increased intensity is I, I would put my – I would focus on aerobic capacity. Um, and that would be your, your, your running. That would be what folks would think of like, you know, running a 5K, things like that. I mean, th- that's where I would work some things out. So if you're kind of working, you know, if you're kind of hiking in your boots here and there and, and you're throwing your pack on, that's great. But, you know, if you really do have that three times a week, that 30 minutes where you want to get a big sweat and get a big workout in, you know, rather than going to a CrossFit gym and trying a bunch of new stuff, um, you know, I would just try to to work harder in whatever aspect you think you're good at. So if you, if you have good running form, I'd be running. If you're not comfortable running, you want to get on the bike, get on the bike, um, skipping rope, that kind of thing. But something really simple where you can go hard, uh, is where I would place it. So for example, you know, if you've been following me on Instagram, um, you've, I've been focused on getting ready for this trail run. You know, me and my wife have are turning this trail run into an event that we do where it's up at Crystal Mountain. You know, it's a it's a three, five, eight mile trail. Um, it's pretty tough it's pretty tough terrain and, and with that in mind, 
you know, I can't get out and run those trails all the time, but I, I have been doing some really neat interval training, um, on my treadmill and around the house, um, that I think would be beneficial to folks who are in like an elk camp crunch, even, even a week out. I think if you do some of these workouts, um, you'll be in decent shape or, or you'll do enough, um, to raise your level of performance. And I, th- and with aerobic capacity, you can do that because, um, it, the adaptations take place a little sooner than strength gains, like your lungs and your blood flow, um, and your heart rate, all those things can kind of be, they're a little bit more, um, they're a little bit more sensitive to change, I guess, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I know when I had, you know, even after sitting down for a week and not exercising and then I get up and then I try to do something, I'm like, holy smokes. I, you know, I'm starting to, I breathe a little heavier than I was when I was exercising regularly and the muscles are kind of like, what are we doing? And it gets worse as I get older. When I was a kid, man, I, you know, we could always just get up and we're invincible and do whatever we want. But now at 46, I'm like, Ooh. Yeah. So, so there's there's a couple windows and I, I think like, even something like VO2 max is this is this idea of processing oxygen or um, heart rate and things can can be affected um, positively or negatively negatively within this kind of three day window. So again, that's another reason why I would put your put your your I would put your hard intense efforts into one a movement that you're comfortable with. That's first and foremost. You know, so if you're someone who's familiar with a box, you know, you you can do some pretty intense step ups. If you're for, if you're good with running, you should run. If you have a row or row, um, whatever you're doing most, that's where I would do it. But I would just try and do it harder and, and be smarter about how you're doing it. And, um, so you pick your movement. So for me, it's just been running lately cause I'm getting ready for this trail run. So we've been doing this test, um, and I've done it three times where I just run a, a six minute time trial and I just run as far as I can, as fast as I can in six minutes. Um, and then based off of that time trial, um, I've been doing interval work. So the intensity is governed by a test. So it's it's not just knowing your limits by some leprechaun magic. You know your limits because you've you've tested something. And then based on that test, you're working out at percentages of that test and then trying to beat that test. You're not just... You're not just willy-nilly hoping that your limits are good enough. Um, you're targeting your training, and, and I've been on this. You know, I've been I've been hammering away at these intervals in this time trial for about um, for for most of the summer. Uh, to be honest with you, really slow and steady, building up the capacity. And I could even tell after the first after the first week, it was really helpful. And I've not been hurt, and I've made slow and steady gains, and and that's because the the training's been targeted. It's been smart. It's it's been based off of assessment. It's not just kind of feeling my way through it. Yeah, it, it, training's huge, and you know you just got to crunch it down right now and get into it. Yeah. So I would say if, if again pick your movement. Um, for me, it's been running. Maybe for you, it's jumping the rope. Maybe you have an exercise bike, or you have a treadmill, or it could even be walking walking with your pack on. But um, I would suggest that the first stage of this would be testing it. So maybe you're a week out, maybe you're three weeks out, but I, I would suggest working this time trial. Um, get mm-hmm. out and just go hard for six minutes. You can do it for six minutes. And then based off of that effort, um, 
you'll do one of two workouts where you can go for then um, an interval of one minute on, one minute off of rest. So um, at the, the day after my time trial, I'll work um, for one minute on the treadmill uh, and then I'll get off or I'll just walk. So, um, and that's going to be at a specific pace that I've, that I've achieved. So my, the current pace that I'm running my, um, sprints at my one minute sprints is at a, uh, a six twenty seven mile. Um, and on the treadmill that equates to about a a nine point, that's like a nine three speed wise. Yeah. So what I'm doing there is, and I've, again, my first, my first time trial was at a seven forty. So when I did the time trial early on the summer, I ran a it was a I was on a 740 mile pace. So then um my first workouts were at around an 8. Point something uh, 7 8 8.3 on the treadmill, but I was going for 1 minute on, 1 minute off, but I've stuck with this routine all summer. And now going into um going into the uh going into this Ragnar Trail Series race and going into Elk Camp, you know, I'm running those intervals slow and steady um, at that 627 pace, bumping it up to that that 9.3 on the treadmill, one minute on, one minute off for for 15 rounds, and um, I can smoke it and feel pretty good on it. Um, So so that's that's a bit of a... um, bit of a story to just kind of show you what you can accomplish with some targeted effort. Now, you're not going to drop your your mile pace, you know, 90 seconds in one week. But no. if you kind of roll that six-minute test and get like a hard sprint in and then maybe go 80% of that pace for like, you know, 15 15 rounds of woman on, woman at off, you'll be okay. Even if, even if for example... Let's say you don't even have a treadmill. You could do it on distance or let's say you have a maybe you're a trained to hunt guy and you have a box and a pack, you want to do this in your garage. Well maybe maybe for six minutes you you do as many step ups as you can with your pack on. You know, that's your test. And maybe you get maybe you get, I don't know, I don't know, a hundred steps in in that six minutes. And uh, well, if if based off that, then you would do workouts at a certain percentage for that next minute on and off. And then that would be a smart way to ramp up intensity. You wouldn't just, you wouldn't just max out. If you're always maxing out, you're just leaving yourself to either be sore or hurt for the next workout. And then you can't accumulate workouts. If that makes sense. Well, you're spending most of your time in recovery. That's right. Let me ask you this, Joe. So a guy's a bigger fella, you know, maybe he's 280 to or 300 pounds. Yep. And he gets on the treadmill and he's, I mean, he can't run that quick or whatever. Yeah. Is there a heart rate? Is there, is, is there, you know, um, a heart rate matrix that he should follow to also guide on here? So if his heart rate's getting up to 160 and we're 130 because I mean, he's, I mean, yeah, I mean, he or he or she are not used to doing this run for a minute pace. Maybe they just, yeah, there's a, maybe even when they walk their rates up at 120 or 130, right? Cause when you're not doing much, there's certain governors you, you could can push use. yourself. There's certain governors you can use to be safe. Uh, if you're someone who wants to operate based off heart rate, I mean, you can go to maximal heart rate, and you just, you know, you take your, you take your age from 220, and and then you get that, and then once you get into that range, you know, you're you're getting you're getting pretty high, and you want to watch yourself. I mean, the bottom line is, if you go from doing nothing, whether you're 300 pounds or 180 pounds, to to trying to do everything, you're going to be 
you're going to be hurting. That's why I like this kind of test. I mean, you you know, if you can't get up and be active at a relatively high intensity for six minutes, you probably you're probably hard pressed to really. You you better have a good guide, I guess, right? Who's going to put you on the elk because you're going to be hurting. So yeah, you can do that. And some other governors that I use are kind of breathing mechanics. You know, um, maybe the maybe the first three minutes of that test, you're only going to work as hard as you can breathe through your nose. Um, and then the next two minutes, as long as you can breathe through your nose and out through your mouth, you're good to go. And then that last minute, you can you, you can become a mouth breathing full. And that, that works, you know, that's another governor you can use, but you have to start and you have to have some sort of a test, um, in the beginning of your, your fitness journey or, or your, your training. So you can realize if you've done better, you know what I mean? I know for a fact that I've improved my mile pace because I've done this test a few times and then I've gone up to the mountain and, and retried it and, and I've PR'd it, you know, cause there's been a consistent effort that's backed the fitness. It's not just... It's just not just random occurrence of exercise. You know what I mean? So whatever you can do. Um, walking is walking is an unbelievable, un- unbelievably great and safe place to start. So if this if this bigger fellow who's out of shape, just start with walking. You know, walk for six minutes. You know what I mean? And then based off of how far you get, um, in you do the intervals again where you walk at that pace and then you rest maybe you get off the treadmill on that off minute and then you get back on so um, you got to start somewhere and you have to test it if, if your idea is to be fitty and um, attack the elk woods and climb mountains well you have to do something absolutely yeah and like we keep saying you'll enjoy the experience a little, a little more too if you if you get on the horse now yeah 100 percent. so there's some things you can do and i think you know i, I pick, pick a pick a safe movement that you're into and, and do it hard for six minutes and see See what you can get, and then base off of that effort, you establish a pace, and then there's some interval things. The other interval that I do, so that that one-by-one interval where it's one minute on, one minute off for 15 rounds, you know, I'll do that at an incline, Um, but then I'll do another slower interval that's at a slower pace, um, which is three minutes on, three minutes off, which is a little longer, and I'll rotate those. Um, And what I've actually been doing lately is is gearing up some – some kind of pack pack efforts um it's hard for me to do a lot of hiking with all the kids here um the the hikes that i want to get into so what we do me and the kiddos have been getting in the garage and doing a lot of step ups and this is uh i guess the elk camp guys had put out a challenge to do like a thousand step ups with the pack on um so i had the kids out there bringing me water and watching me and get through it so um that's a bit of a longer effort that i'll get into but um you got to do something, and that something should start with a test. There should be some moderate efforts based off that test, and then you should have something that's kind of uncomfortable to get to get you going that would mimic the effort that you're going to be looking at in the elk woods. Yeah, I agree. And if I and, and if you're doing step ups on a box, mm-hmm. you should also incorporate lunges because the step ups oh, are yeah. just heading up the mountain. Those lunges will imitate going down the mountain because you know. You're going to go up the mountain just as much as you're going down it. So you should probably do both, in, in my personal opinion. No, I'm and in you. everything I've read and, and, and I've experienced. One year I just did step-ups, and then um, then we're coming down the mountain, and I could completely tell the difference of um, 
in the muscle groups that I use. And it's always worse coming downhill. I hate going downhill, but yeah. And if, if you can count me fortunate or smart or just, you know, lucky because, you know, I train a lot, but you know, I have this set up in the garage and, um, at least two days a week, I get a big barbell day in and my big barbell movement going into elk camp last year, I was doing, um, last year I thought back squats were the key and I was doing a lot of back squats and I think there was some benefit to it, but I don't think there was a lot of transfer into elk camp. Um, and I, I do think that a loaded lunge is, is an optimal exercise. If you do want to get into some strength work and strength training, um, and you're just, you have to put a barbell on your back and you want to, and, and I am, um, um, I'm doing pretty heavy loaded lunges as a strength movement. Now, if you haven't done any barbell work leading up to camp, um, I would probably not suggest it, but I, I would suggest maybe getting a dumbbell and doing like a suitcase style carry. Um, maybe you could also do like a goblet style lunge where you hold that dumbbell or, um, or kettlebell in front of you and get into some lunges, but, uh, lunges are great, man. Um, even I think weightlifters always want to squat, but you know, there's a movement in weightlifting, you know, you do the clean end jerk and that, that jerk is landing in a split position with a barbell overhead. Um, I wish I was lunging more while I was hard pressed in the weightlifting because, um, it, it gets your, it gets your glutes, your hamstrings and your legs, um, in a, in a really great way. Um, I would just, I would just be weary of folks who haven't been lunging a lot going into camp to try and do a lot of them right before camp. So if you're, if you're on that, if you're on that Utah elk schedule, um, you don't want to do a thousand lunges, um, you know, in the next, Oh, maybe you want to do that today. Right. Um, without weights, without weights. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, if you wanted to, you can load it. Maybe rather than load it heavy, I would load it awkwardly, right? So rather than rather, you know, again, I've been working a lunge progression, and I, I'm out to you know, I'm doing, I'm doing a hundred kilos on my lunges right now, um, for for sets of ten. Um, and, and what it, is that in um, pounds? Two hundred twenty pounds. So, okay. um, you know, I'm doing five each leg, and that that's what I'm doing heavy. But again, that's kind of compounded by um, all the running I'm doing on top of that. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, I do think you get diminished returns if you get too strong, right? If you, right. you ever seen like a power lifter, like if you look at a real traditional power lifter, a big, strong guy, that guy's going to have a hard time getting up the mountains. I mean, that kind of strength takes specificity to train for. Uh, I think the strength that you want to go for is more of like a general capacity. Um, and, and I'm right at that range with, with this, with this and also because the elk woods are going to be a lot more reps i'm trying to get more reps on top of that but rather than if you're late in the game to building strength again i'd focus on strength that is going to be safely acquired and would be usable um and and sustainable so uh i would load that lunge with a dumbbell but only carry it on one side so you're getting that balance aspect because you know, the other thing is the the loose terrain, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you could be strong and um, you could have developed a lot of fitness, you know, in your fitness bubble, in the squat rack and on the treadmill. But the Elkwoods is anything but that, you know what I mean? So you want to you want to throw in maybe load and intensity in a way that challenges you from a skill acquisition standpoint where you have to be more balanced and controlled. That way you get that optimal reaction in the elk woods which is to save you 
not to get you hurt and falling down the mountain. I mean, I was saved a bunch of times last year. I think I fell, I fell quite a bit where we were going. <laughs> um, but luckily I had a good enough of balance to avoid some falls. And then too, because I was, had a decent strength base, I had built up some capacities to, um, to, to have resiliency in the woods. Yeah. And, you know, that core is the most underestimated part of your body. And it's, you know, more and more people are talking about it nowadays, but sure. it'll help you in all aspects of, of life, right? Well, Not yeah. just in the hunting woods, but when you're going down the street or say you have to do going to a golf tournament. I'm sure. just kidding. Yeah. No, I, I was right. golfing the other day and I usually have a lower back problem. I don't golf that much. And so I usually come out sore in the lower back. Well, I've been doing a lot of core stuff with the, you know, the off balancing, throwing the weight on one side and then doing lunges and then the other side doing stuff like that. I didn't even feel my lower back. I was actually a better golfer. Well, no. And I was going to say, you know, you, you kind of snickered a little bit at it, but hell man, hitting a, walking a golf course with that golf bag is probably to some it to some degree going to be a little bit harder than what you might do in some of the elk woods because one that golf bag is heavy and awkward as hell to carry right so, <laughs> is, you know yeah. what i mean and, and that's what i'm getting at with this kind of um single-sided kind of suitcase style lunge that kind of awkward load kind of forces you to compensate in ways that you're not going to get with the barbell anyway you know the barbell's loaded pretty symmetrically which you know you can get some weird compensations where you're ultimately squatting on one leg but with a lunge you're not going to get that and then if you compound that by loading that lunge only on one side with one dumbbell then all of a sudden you have to work some balance in a funny way very similar to how you're going to carry a golf bag right and yep. and i think that that would be a great way to get ready for the elk woods just you know up your golf game you know but don't don't ride the damn golf cart and drink beer. You know what I mean? Um, supplement right. with, and supplement with what you're going to supplement with in elk camp and, and carry the bag. And, and that's going to, that, that would be a great, Hey man, get really crazy and play in your, play in your boots. Exactly. Would, would, they, would they let you on those greens <laughs> in your hunting boots? No, you'd tear them up. <laughs> but you know, the other thing is too, is that, that you got to think about this when you're hiking in the woods, you are hiking off, you know, with weight on one side or the other. Cause you have, your gun or you have your bow and it's on one side or the other. And if you're constantly having to go back and forth, back and forth, you're that's an indication that you haven't worked your core enough. Yeah, that's right. And again, you're going to be carrying awkward things. And I mm -hmm. remember, I remember packing that elk out. I remember packing out your cow last year. Um, as much as I tried to, um, even my pack up, it wasn't, you know, no. what I mean? <laughs> that dead weight, it goes where it wants to go. I mean, you could strap it in there, but yeah, it's still weebly wobbly. So uh, we got we had a lot going on here with this elk camp crunch. But um, as I kind of think of, you know, I'm, there, there'll be an article um, up with some of the more detailed aspects of it um, attached with this that we'll have up, um, and I'll link it into the show notes where you can see the assessment. You can maybe look at the calendar and see what these workouts look like. And then ultimately too, you can reach out and ask questions. But, um, as I kind of sum this thing up, I mean, uh, you need lifestyle habits that are going to promote movement, not, and those lifestyle habits should, the closer you get to elk camp really be things that are in defiance of convenience. You have to fight convenience because hunting elk is not convenient. It's hard. Um, so get that going. And then you know, if you really do want to build capacities, 
um, focus on focus on making sure that you're you're limber enough at the ankle and if you're really hard pressed to build capacities late in the game um, you need to pick the most comfortable movement that you can do from a monostructural standpoint and that's like running or rowing or biking um, a big kind of cardio movement and and you kind of have to smartly do it hard and um, I'd start with a, some type some type of a simple test and then do some do some ramped up interval work on the back end of that test um, Jeremy um, as we review this is there a takeaway um, that you think um, our uh, our listeners need to um, heed uh, more than others that that would help them um, in the Elkwoods um, focus on that ankle, get it stretched, get it strength, get it flexible. So I think that's the biggest takeaway because you're on that sucker all day long Yeah. or, you know, anytime you're standing up and walking, even when you're sitting down on your knees or whatever, and you're waiting for an elk to come in. I mean, those ankles are going to be on the ground, stretched out and, um, for most, for the, to be more comfortable, you know, but, yeah, and I, and I get it guys, you're going to be wearing boots that are going to give you a lot of support too, for those for those ankles, but for me, I would rather put that boot over um, a strong, flexible, um, and resilient ankle over I would some soft sack of dead nerves, um, tight tendons, and, and brittle bones. I mean, that that's just what it is, and that's what your ankles are if you're sitting all day. You know what I mean? So, so as much as you can with that in mind, too, um, yeah, you want to break your boots in, but yeah, you also want to strengthen your ankle up. So, you know, just operating from a barefoot standpoint too, and, and working those, I think there, there's a lot of gain there. So, um, you know, kind of hammered this out from a from a big um, uh, training aspect, uh, Jeremy. Um, maybe we'll have to do another one here before this elk camp um, uh, to, that will focus more on on the tactics in the woods. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, guys, because you know, I heard something that got me thinking. Um, you know. Y- when you get into Western hunting, all you hear about is elk. And then you find out that there's three kinds of elk. You know, you got your um, Rocky Mountain, you got them little ones in California, and then you got the Roosevelt's. And then I come to find out someone tells me, and I hear guys on the podcast saying there's even two different kinds of Roosevelt elk. You got these coastal guys and these uh, these Cascade Roosevelt elk. Uh yeah. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see if there's differences and how you're going to attack those, or if there's some similarities between um, between all the different elk. So um, keep that in mind, guys. If you have questions about elk, get them our way. Um, we'll hopefully get into some of those tactics um, to find them and get them on the ground in the next one. But until then, uh, train, hunt, live the best lives possible. And Jeremy, um, what else should we do? We should. God bless America, there you, baby. There you go, buddy. Love it. All right, man. Y'all take care and have a good one. Thank you. Thank you, gang, for tuning into that episode of Backcountry and Barbells. Hopefully, um, Jeremy and I discussed a couple things that you can implement in your training today to get you better suited to fill a tag and elk camp, guys. That's the big goal for us all. Um, also, guys, um, support the show if you enjoyed it. Review it. Um, check out the website. Uh, tell your friends about it. Subscribe, rate, review, all that great stuff. And also, guys, please visit our show sponsors pages. Um, sendavet.org. Send-a-vet.org. Also, guys, PRLifting, PRLifting.com, especially if you are in the Pacific Northwest, guys, it's a great option uh, to find new and exciting and great quality training gear. Until the next one, guys, train, hunt, and live the best 
life possible. Thank you very much.